Welcome back to another episode of Create Your Life with your host, Tessa Lloyd. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we meet today, the Wadarong people of the Wadarong Aboriginal Corporation, and pay my respects to Elders past and present. Hi everyone, and welcome back to our ninth episode of Create Your Life. Holy shit, nine episodes, guys. We're getting there. What a ride. Um, We are going to wrap up 2020 with our 10th episode, and that's pretty surreal for me that we're coming to the end of this year and have had so many beautiful conversations, and I've learned so much, and I've connected with so many of you guys and heard about stories and the way that this has um, supported you guys. So I'm just having a moment over here, really. I think it's very, very cool that we have this community and that we're doing these things <laughs> and changing these ways of living and learning and growing together. So I want to thank you for being here and yeah, thank you for tuning into episode number nine. I have a real doozy for you guys today. So as you know, I like to have a chat about Uh, real things, big things, true things, things that might seem a little bit intense when you first hear them. Um, I've started hearing that, that (laughs) some of the conversations are a little, not a little much, I don't want to say that. They're a bit of a um, mind changer for some people. We sometimes discuss things that um, our listeners may not have thought of before, and that feels really cool for me that that while I'm learning, because I learn every episode with every guest, that while I'm learning, um, you guys are tuning into it and maybe learning something too. So go us. All right. So episode number nine is with Georgia and she is fully following the theme of discussing things that we may not discuss every day over coffee with a friend, which I really love. And I really hope that talking about these things will promote that. So we're talking to Georgia Wall, who is an occupational therapist like myself, which is already very cool, Um, already puts her in the girl crush category for me. (laughs) Um, But not only that, she is also, I'm going to call it a movement from my own personal perception of what I see happening, Um, but it's totally up to Georgia how she describes this what I see as a movement. So Georgia is the founder of Motea Pleasure, which I believe is a movement that is, I don't know, just fucking phenomenal. Really, that's the way that I can explain it. She is so inclusive, so humble in the work that she does. She credits everyone for the support and the guidance and the education that she's been given Um, she is so brave in communicating what needs to be communicated. And you guys will hear this in this conversation, but Georgia has not taken credit for so much of Motea Pleasure, which promotes pleasure for all people. And feeling and emotion and sensation for all people and 
I was just blown away by this conversation. It humbled me. It taught me things. It showed me blind spots that I had. And it, I'm hoping, will do the same for you. So I want to thank Georgia for coming on here today. And thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I'm going to take it away with the gorgeous Georgia wall. And we're just going to basically like vibe for the next hour and 20 minutes so it's a bit of a long convo but it's a necessary one all right love to you guys um if you ever want to let me know what you think of the potty please uh tag me in your thoughts on instagram send me an email or leave a comment or rating on the podcast because i'd love to to know what you think all right let's go all right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Create Your Life. Today, we're having a chat with Georgia Wall, which I'm very, very, very pumped about. She's a bit of a, um, a girl biz crush of mine and has been doing <laughs> some wonderful work in the space that she's working in. And she's actually also a fellow occupational therapist like myself, which is very exciting um, to know and to experience as another OT. So I'm going to take it away with Georgia <laughs> and we're going to be chatting all things. Um, do you know what? All things probably wraps it up, doesn't it, G? Like <laughs> um, gender, sexuality, equality, um, confidence, professionalism this all comes into it and they're all interlinked as I'm sure you guys can imagine so Georgia I just want to welcome you today and thank you so much for being on here thank you I'm so excited I feel like it's like one of those things where it just feels like I'm already just having a chat with a friend so oh good I'm glad well to start chatting I wonder if you can I, I've watched your journey over the last couple of years. I'm just wondering if you can tell us a little bit um, beyond that of how you kind of came to the space of, of working where you are um, and, and about some of the work that you do. Oh, I can definitely do that. <laughs> um, so I suppose maybe moving like forward to backwards um, at the moment, I work on land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. So I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that before we dive in, um, that sovereignty was never ceded. And that I think just for a moment to like acknowledge what that means for us mm. to be working on this land, to be talking about work on this land and talking about productivity on this land and wage and income and the fact that rent is very overdue mm. <laughs> so just to put that at, right at the front um because I don't think we can talk about any of these topics without acknowledging where we've come from yeah. and also just to acknowledge that it's such there's it's not just this kind of I feel like sometimes when I take a minute to acknowledge it sometimes I feel a little bit heavy but also just to acknowledge all the pleasure and joy and beauty and spirit and value of the custodians of the land so just to take a minute. And so before we started I think it's kind of funny that we were talking about OT and what that means and the values of OT and I think thinking about it as a whole, 
one of the things just that I love about OT is that we look at people as like whole individual beings. Mm. And so when I first wanted to do the work, I remember the work, oh my God, not the work, but like (laughs) OT work. I was like very interested in health and I sort of like looked at nursing and I was like, okay, well, that's sort of understanding people like this very medical model and mm. like a dietitian sort of wants to know about someone's like nutrition and a physio, like how we move. But I was like, I, I'm not just my blood pressure and I'm not mm. just like how my knee bends, like I'm this whole person and I love that that's what we do. And I, I think that's not what every OT does, but I think that's the, the fundamentals of what OT means to me anyway. Yeah. And so at the moment I'm working in a hospital in the um, Western suburbs of Melbourne. Um, and it's literally like night and day. I was working in community for probably my whole career. And then now I'm in a cute where you meet somebody once and it's just entirely different. Yeah. Um, but I think... Pardon? Is it good, different? How are you finding that? I think it's it's really sort of, um, it's, it's really challenged my ideas of how quickly we can get to know somebody and how deeply we can know somebody and build rapport and sort of in a very medical model, make it very human again. Mm-hmm. Like I see, I kind of see our role as like, pulling everything together and helping make people's experiences human. Like I, like I said, like somebody might, so I work on the aged care ward um, and I love it. <laughs> I've had so many conversations about sex with 80 year old women <laughs> and it's been the highlight of my life. Um, but, well, they would have seen some things. Oh my God. I, I shit yeah. you not. I once had this tiny little lady when she stood up I reckon she was about a meter tall and she she was fantastic and she literally so like we were gonna I was gonna help her with the shower and she's like I love the shower heads here and I was like tell me more she's like (laughs) I can get right up in my pussy and give it a great wash and I was like (laughs) just like oh my god I laughed so hard but I was like fuck yes <laughs> we all know the shower head I'm all yeah, the relevance the relevance she's just saying what everyone's thinking absolutely and it just I think that's the thing as well like like just pretty much throughout like the whole time that I've been OT like I've primarily worked in disability and going into this setting which is just again just totally looking at the human experience in a in a totally different way mm-hmm. where all of a sudden I feel like at a certain age people just lose this filter (laughs) and like whether it's because they have a change in communication or whether it's because you know cognitively something's changed like it's just like all of a sudden they'll say whatever they want and it's so fantastic because it just just makes me think and I've only really thought this about the our industries until uh, like just now that we could probably all stand to work in these industries for at least a week at some point or another in our lives, you know, in terms of disability, in terms of age care, um, in such a variety of contexts to learn about diversity and to learn about our blind spots with things such as age or things such as disability. 
because mm. we, you know, that's a blind spot for a lot of us. We forget that, um, you know, maybe once they hit 80 or a certain age that they're going to talk about this stuff. And I, I agree. I've had people say that to me as well. And it, it blows me away at first and gives me a giggle. And I think they like that it gives me a giggle, but I sometimes think, you know, I wonder when we, when I started to expect that they should be eating jams and cream and pouring us a cup of tea as opposed to, you know, being a raging sex maniac. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. And I think so much of that comes back to visibility, right? Mm. Like I was thinking about this today and I was thinking like, how often do you see a movie where the lead love interest is either somebody with a disability, somebody who is older maybe, but I'm going to bet that if they're older, they're probably cisgendered, white and straight, Mm. has like a non-binary, a trans, like you never, ever, ever see in just just movies, just this one form of media, how often do you see that? Exactly. And in a in a casual way rather than it being the main storyline. Mm. Yeah. And it actually being like not a joke. Mm. You know, like exactly. so often it's like, haha, like uh, it's like a side story or something. Mm. Versus it being like 70 year olds have sex. Mm. People with disabilities have sex. Mm -hmm. Everybody, not everybody, everybody is a sexual being. People get horny. Like Mm -hmm. your nonna like (laughs) has had sex in her life. Yep. She's still, depending on what's happened to her, she most likely still has a pussy. Like Mm -hmm. like, we don't just suddenly turn into these blank slates where it goes from like everything to nothing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Totally. Have you seen Grace and Frankie? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) This is just such a beautiful intersection of age and sex where they make those amazing vibrators. And like, that is a, I think, I think they did that quite casually that they're drawing, you know, they're doing such an amazing thing for um, female pleasure. Well, I think it's mainly female. I don't want to categorize, but for pleasure and they're just doing it casually that that's something that they want to do and why shouldn't women who are in their 70s be doing that Mm. Mm. I think that's I'm really happy that we've brought up age at the start of this conversation because I think where we're um where we're heading with discussing sex and things age is a very important part of this Mm. absolutely Mm. yeah because I was sort of thinking like well what does what does a sexual person look like Mm. and I think when I see it in my head I think of like this horrendously stereotypical image of a beautiful young woman in like red lace or something like that Mm -hmm. yeah and so automatically I notice in my body that I feel less than Mm. because that's not my expression of sexuality Mm. and that's like that makes me sad because that makes so many people feel like something's wrong with them because they're 
expression of being a sensual sexual being isn't the, the norm. And when I do norm, I'm doing like air quotes. I, like I mean like politically, visually pleasing. Mm-hmm. It's t- typically seen in ads or in sexy land on their posters or in product photos. Like it, it, I just, I can't imagine how many people would feel like there's something wrong with them because they don't fit in this box of what a sexual being looks like. And I reckon just maybe in the last year or so, like looking at Instagram, I feel like it's just exploded with so much diversity if you look Mm. for it, you know. Mm. And certain things get more views on Instagram. So the stereotypical sexual woman gets more views. The larger bodied black woman will get reported and her photos will get taken down. Mm. Like there's this whole thing of women women of color bringing to light that their bodies are censored more than white women like us Mm. and so how are people meant to feel normal if they can't even see versions of themselves on their phone like it just it just it it's a conversation and a topic that I love so much because it's so easy to fix like it's it's so easy to engage with different different people on Instagram it's so easy to go through your feed and do an audit and be like am I just following people who look and sound and talk like me Mm. or do I need to do I need to like broaden my horizons totally and start to hear different stories and start to like instead of and that's one thing that I've found really pleasantly challenging about Matea is not making my voice the central focus Mm. like there is enough stories of and although like I totally appreciate and acknowledge my experiences and I know that I love conversations like this where I can talk about my experiences but Mm. like I'm 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 bored of that I'm I'm bored of listening to people who have gone through similar things to me like I, I I'm so interested in hearing like other people's points of views and that just normalizes so many experiences, you know, all of a sudden, like, mm. it doesn't, it wakes you up. I heard the other day, someone was like, your podcast is fucking confronting (laughs) to listen to sometimes. And I was like, why? I'd never even thought of that. And she said, it's because of the blind spots that I didn't realize I had. Mm -hmm. And I think that that can make life harder at the start, but that's what we've got to be able to sit with, which we're not very good at sitting with discomfort. And I think that that is a big part that we all need to move through as well, that we find quite confronting to move through, but we all have blind spots, whether we like it or not. No one is so woke (laughs) that we have (laughs) no blind spots. And I think that that is, you know, you've already touched on about 10 different blind spots that people may have in you know 10 minutes of having this conversation which is such a beautiful thing as well and why it is so important to talk about this when it comes to age disability race gender any orientation ever there are so many layers when it comes to joy and pleasure and equality and what we think we should 
and how deserving we think people are of experiencing those things. And we may not necessarily overtly say this, but there are still opinions out there that that can trip you up. And I think that it's really important that you're looking at these blind spots, Georgia. And I just, on that note, would also love to acknowledge that the only reason I know about these blind spots is because people who are in these situations have shared their experience. Yeah. yeah. And I think another real word for a blind spot is privilege. Like people don't know because they've never experienced. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that topic in itself, I think, is so important because I feel like so often <laughs> we sort of like want to make the conversation around privilege comfortable but yes. why the fuck should we prioritize our comfort for people who have to be like put out every single day mm. and have to challenge these stereotypes and challenge these beliefs every single day so literally the least we can do is like acknowledge that we are very like we've got our blinkers on because we've never had to see the full picture because we've always our our experience as white women as able-bodied I don't know for you but I identify as female Mm. like our experience has always been the norm and prioritized Mm. and so like that's just it feels gross doesn't it like yes it does, and I and is that what we're dis- what we're uncomfortable with that feeling? Mm. Because it's, I think that's exactly right. Um, I feel like shame and this discomfort stops us from growing. But if we can learn to sit with shame in in understanding and patience and empathy then there's so much of this that can be broken down. But I think it can seem so far out of reach because the minute we we sense our privilege or sense our blinkers, we shut down and jump to defence or jump to, um, you know, being even more awful to take the attention away. But I completely agree. It's a really, it's a gross feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that what helped? Is that what... I just, I would love to know. So I know that you're moving through the OT world. I wish I had been able to see the process, Georgia, of Motea coming together because mm. it's got it. I felt it. So you guys, I was looking up Georgia before I hopped on this podcast because I just wanted the ins and outs of this woman who I've been following for a few years. And this Motea has its own energy about it. It has its like really raw, powerful, like, oh, my fucking God, this woman is going there, energy. And I can't imagine, maybe this is my blind spot, I can't imagine that developing overnight. Is that something that you picked up piece by piece to go, oh, this is really something I want to bring through to the world, Mm. the people? So first of all, thank you. (laughs) It means a lot that you can feel it because that's how I experience it. Like I've only ever experienced Matea as like an inkling 
Like, and that sounds so fucking airy fairy. No, it doesn't. What I, what I mean by that is like, I've never thought, I, I never thought about it. Mm. I never sat down and said, I want to start a business. This is my business model. These are my 12 steps for the next 12 months. Like the way that I see Matea and I, I like pull so much out of this, um, these ideas from like Elizabeth Gilbert's book, um, Big Magic, Big Magic. Mm-hmm. Big yeah, Magic. Big Magic. Yeah. Because yeah. um, she talks about ideas as like these tangible almost like entities of their own and an idea might come to like 50 people and like whisper in the back of their ear like you should buy a lamington today or something (laughs) and somebody's like fuck off I don't care about lamingtons and so that little idea will go to somebody else and it'll go to somebody else and it'll go to somebody else until somebody hears it and they bring like they physically through their body create an action from that Mm -hmm. and so I have no fucking idea where Matea is going because I just kind of go with whatever's happening. Like I don't, I don't, yeah. Like it just sort of feels like it's this thing. And I just somehow got to listen to these little ideas and I bring it into like this physical expression and I don't, I don't know how else to explain it apart from seeing it as like an outlet for creativity. Mm. Like, and it's probably a very poor business model. So I don't suggest (laughs) this isn't isn't a business model podcast, George. (laughs) So you might want to skip this. (laughs) But like the way I see it is like what what is gonna be like enjoyable about this and I shit you not every time I do something out of obligation or I feel like I should be doing something with Matea it never works Mm. resistance is always there and I think in that sense it just it's this idea of like non-attachment right Mm. like it's just that this isn't mine like I might have just that my name might be on the bottom of it but I don't I don't own the idea of Matea. Mm. Like the idea of Matea has probably existed in so many different forms in so many different ways. And there's different variations of the ideas. There's no such thing as an original idea. Mm. Like elements of Matea have been done over and over and over again. Mm. But this is just my take on these ideas. I'm just bringing like my experience to this and whatever way feels really fun like I fucking spend so much time on Canva like oh crazy. my god how good is Canva Love Canva, <laughs> <laughs> and like just doing shit for the sake of doing it yeah. half of the things I make for it I don't even put anywhere mm. I record like hour-long videos and I do nothing with it because it was just a form of like getting something out there you know like it doesn't have to be profitable it doesn't have to have all the views it doesn't none of that matters it's just this like like just literally just being like a little funnel you know I imagine I take the byproduct of this creative expression that you have the pleasure of having (laughs) is so the byproduct of your pleasure is that 
we get to experience that pleasure too, right? Like mm-hmm. this is a this is a business of pleasure. Um, and we've talked about the the essence of Motea, but in the most 3D way, how would you explain Motea to someone? Mm-hmm. Good question. <laughs> I like when I try and explain it in a very politically correct way to like <laughs> people at work. Does it suck? I'm, <laughs> I'm like, can we mention dildos in the workplace? <laughs> but the way that I see it is talking, it's it's essentially a space which includes physical products. Mm-hmm. But essentially, it's a space for people to learn to take care of themselves. And by taking care of themselves, as a coincidence, magically, they're also taking care of the planet. Yeah. Because whatever's good for us is good for the whole. Mm. So when I first, like, because I have no, I, I have no recollection of when it first, the idea first came to mind. Mm-hmm. But part of that was when I was working with a sex coach and she's like, you, can you please buy a glass wand? And I was like, sure thing. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> Got on Google. And there might've been one or two brands and platforms that were selling like intimacy products that I didn't feel really feel icky about that I was like you know I wanted to clear my 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 search history if they came up because I was like oh no like this doesn't feel nice this doesn't feel like a pleasurable experience even to buy it Mm. and nobody was talking about the environment I was like how the fuck is every industry on board with caring about our planet but where is the, like, where are any conversations about this in this field? Where, like, it just, there's literally, I Googled <laughs> sustainable sex toys and literally I reckon there was maybe five articles. All of them were from, like, 2015 or 2000. Like, that was so old and outdated. And I was like, where is, where is everyone? Mm. Why, why are we like still in like 1990? Like, this is so important. Where, where are the, like every business has a social cause now. Where are the social causes? Where's the bigger picture? Where's like the, the guts and the soul of any of these businesses? And like I said, there are a handful out there like doing elements of each of these. So there are businesses where, they're trying to reduce stigma and shame and there are businesses that are trying to create a really beautiful experiences experience but I just didn't feel like it was all together yeah Yeah. and do you think too that because we do have a long way to go in terms of shame and sex you know in Australia let alone countries around the world do you think that because of that there is still a bit of a dark corner that's less developed in terms of things relating to environmental sustainability Mm, absolutely that's such like I think you've like knit 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 hit the nail on the head because if so like think about think about compostable mailers 
Mm. They literally came out of nowhere and now 20, there's 20 Australia brands that do compostable mailers, probably more. That was a guesstimate. And it's so, so normal for that to be advertised. It's easy for them to get Facebook ads. I can't even sell half of my things on Instagram. Mm. My posts are going to be, my posts get sometimes like flagged. Mm. And so there's already so many advantages for other industries to conveniently and without pushing people's buttons be able to go further in taking sustainable practices, mm-hmm. yeah, putting them in place. Yeah. I think that that was such a good point you just made there and I had not even thought of that, Georgia. You are immediately at a, um, what do they call it? The opposite of a head start (laughs) in terms of um, advertising and marketing and promoting safe, sustainable pleasure for everyone because there is shame attached to it. Really, right? Is there not? Is that not why we censor it? Is that not why what underpins the PC version of um, expressing sexuality that you know it's attached to shame? Hmm. I it's it's so funny because I I told myself like first twelve months Georgia just focus on having a really consistent message and trying your best to in one way or another, connect with everybody who's interested in connecting with you. So I know so many brands that will follow 2,000 people on Instagram. And that's like, if you want to do that, that's totally fine. Again, no shame as to what methods you want. That just didn't feel like what the values of Matea were because I wanted, when I when I had the energy and time to send each person who took the time to connect with the page. I wanted to send them an individual message to say, hey, I know that it's not your normal page to follow. Mm. (laughs) So thank you for A, giving a fuck, (laughs) but B, it's so much more than that. It's the fact that people are engaging with Matea tells me that people are trying to take care of something that is mainstream tricky to do. Yeah, and has been neglected for years. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's not a small feat. So any order that I get, like I literally, first of all, like almost scream. (laughs) Every time I get a notification on my phone, like I've screenshot every single one. (laughs) And every time I send it to my boyfriend, because I'm like, just, it's not an order. It's, it's the, the bigger picture of what that means for somebody. Like money is somebody's time and energy and they're devoting their energy to their sexual health. Mm. Like that's more than just buying a t-shirt. That's more than just the, the time and energy that you think about buying skincare products. Like that is something so intimate and so tricky to do. And we're not taught how to do it. Right. We're never, ever taught. So every time I get a sale, I'm like, this person has through their, their exerted effort yeah. gone out of their way 
to want to take care of themselves in this way. And that is such a ginormous big deal because it's so not normal. You know what I mean? Like it's. I do know what you mean. That made me feel really beautiful hearing that. It's very true, Georgia. It's not, that's like the tip of the iceberg is buying that um, that product. And I want to ask you about what products they can buy, but that's the tip of the iceberg. I went through a lot of stuff before I bought a wand. Um, and I still go through a lot of stuff in terms of having it in my room or, um, you know, even talking about that, even talking about that on a podcast brings up a lot of stuff for me because we never, ever, ever talked about that mm. growing up. Like, and I don't know if it's, I haven't delved into the world of it being different for males and females, but I know that there is still, yeah, I think that that is a huge thing to to do that. And I just imagine this like lightning bolt going from the fact that they've opened themselves up like that straight to you and then a screen comes out. <laughs> I literally funny. at work, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's really beautiful. When When you get orders, what are some of the orders? Like what can people get off you? Right. So um, at the moment, I've just got quite a small amount of stock because I'm not really interested in having everything because I feel like that makes it really tricky to make a decision. And it's hard enough to know that you want something, let alone picking from like 50 like pink swirling rabbit dildos. Yeah, exactly. um, Yeah. So literally everything that I stock is everything that I've personally used before. That's the only reason I stock anything. Yeah. And so the at the moment, we've got glass ones, mm-hmm. crystal ones, um, uh, lube, mm-hmm. period undies, a book, and I think that's about it. That's all I remember off the top of my head. And then, like, you can buy, like, bundles and all that boring stuff. Mm. Um can you tell me more about the lube? I remember reading something about this and I um, haven't slept with men in a long time. So this is not <laughs> something that I've even thought about in years, but um, there's a difference between your lube and what you can buy at Safeway, right? Yeah. 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 So, can you tell um, me more about that? Yeah. So essentially I want to give credit to my friend who's also called Georgia. Um, she is a sex coach based in Sydney. And the only reason I know about this loop is because she recommended it to me. Um, and so it's from Yes Organics. And so essentially when I first, first of all, lube, I think is such a big topic in itself because mm. there's again, so much stigma around well, I don't need lube, like mm. I should be able to get wet. And there's just all these really icky shoulds. Yep. Um, but essentially lube is just there to make things feel good, mm. put it shortly. Um, but oftentimes the lube that you get from a supermarket can have any, any number of combination of chemicals and and I can't remember the specific chemical, but normally it's in there. I should know, but I don't. <laughs> and also, I put most of them, yeah, most of them have sugar, a form of sugar. Mm-hmm. And so if we think about the vagina and we think about sugar, 
that combo often creates a pretty shitty imbalance, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're constantly using a lube that's promoting sugar and promoting an imbalance, it's not going to feel pleasurable. Mm -hmm. Especially afterwards. Yeah. Oh, God. And you regularly learn out the the hard way. Totally. And like a lot of our listeners are women. Mm -hmm. um, And I had a woman contact me to say, can you you know, do a podcast about what women are trying to do to, you know, make their, to make themselves more desirable and to, you know, to completely basically change the, the balance and the structure and everything of their vagina, which is what is causing so many issues. And we're doing it from a place of not, feeling what well, I assume and making an assumption here that when we're not feeling worthy or not feeling desirable or that we need to change or that we're not living up to a certain expectation that we think we need to do these things to our bodies and it's hurting us. Um, this woman had contacted me to say, can you discuss um, hygiene, female personal hygiene? And this is so interlinked with this because how many of us have a have issues it's again this is so it's been a while for me but it causes issues when things are unnatural and a lot of it comes down to what's going into your body that isn't supposed to Mm -hmm. and that's like I think what you said there again sums that up so well like putting things into our body that aren't wholesome and not wholesome in like this like airy fairy like I think of sometimes wholesome like you know religious wise Mm -hmm. but wholesome as in like like when I feel the word wholesome I feel that in my heart and I feel like this warmth you know and so that's not only things like lube it's things like penetration without being ready it's things like going to a gynecologist that doesn't respect your values. Mm. There's so many things that we don't check in with ourselves if that's what we want to physically like receive. Mm. And so I can totally speak on the topic of thrush because (laughs) it's something that again like so many of us just don't talk about but so many of us experience right yeah and when you think of the energetic properties of thrush Mm. it's anger it's heat it's frustration it's discomfort and it's literally these feelings well this is my experience anyway these feelings bottling up in my body and it trying to send a message to me in the most obvious way possible. Yeah. And so fuck alone. Literally. Yeah. Or like fucking listen to me. Yeah. Right? When you're uncomfortable down there, your pussy is trying to get your attention. Mm. And it's and our bodies are such beautiful things because they communicate in such in like such intelligent ways right Mm. and we're told about some ways that our body communicates with us like so often we're told about body language with engaging with other people but like what about our internal body language what about the language of our intuitive body 
And if you're getting thrush, I know for me, I get it literally the same time every part of my cycle. And it's the same time around when I'm ovulating. And I know for a fact that comes up because there is so much, like so much anger that I have around fertility and what that means for me and things that I know when I don't slow down and like listen to my body or get the help that I need or ask for help, my thrush flares up because it's like, hello. Yeah. Like, is trying to get my attention and it does a sensational job. <laughs> but if they're using things like these fucking intimate washes that I keep seeing on my paid ads on Instagram, mm. where it's like, get your pussy to smell like a cranberry. Mm. That's, that's so, so disrespectful for your body because mm. your body's trying to tell you something. Mm. And so that's like, that's like putting a bandaid on a waterfall. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna fix that problem, and there's nothing to fix. There's just things to notice yeah. and to acknowledge. Yeah. And so if you're, why why do we need right? Why do we need to change the smell of something that is natural? Mm. Who's told us that? Mm. Where have we been shamed? Like there's there's so much. There's so many products that are based on fear. And that's something that I, with all of my little guts, try and do the opposite with Matea because I don't want somebody buying something because they have, they've got fear in them. Like they're worried, oh, I better get this wand because my boyfriend wants more sex. So I need to be a sexual being versus I fucking and working on self-love and I need as many accessible tools in my toolkit to find what that means to me in any given moment. I'm just loving listening to this. There are 10 different branches that we could have gone off from then. Um, I think that personal hygiene for there as well is often a result of bigger issues going on such as diet or such as mental health um, which is often stemmed to uh, to fear and shame like you said all of these things are so interlinked and when it comes to something so personal and that can cause us so much pain and discomfort we I think this is probably a huge uh, blink uh, what do we call it blind spot for a lot of the women listening that why like you said why have we internalized that we need to change anything down there I remember I read a paper a few years and this is a few years ago so I don't want to know what it's like now about the amount of people who were having labioplasticity surgery young girls um, in you know in privileged country, countries, this isn't even discussing all of the awful things that happen in terms of genital mutilation. But uh, the fact that we feel like we need to change ourselves so drastically to be desirable is the complete opposite of what I see Motea doing. Motea is coming from a place of grounded self-worth and love and doing things that empower you to experience pleasure and to experience 
self-care and at the same time contribute to a better planet. And I think that's why I find it so different watching your journey as opposed to the sex shop down the store, mm. um, which is a lot of it, you know, it, the patriarchy is still kind of wreaking havoc in those stores. Like a lot of it is what can you do for your man generally, not always, but what can you do for your man to be more desirable or what can you do for your partner to be more desirable? Like where the fuck do our needs come into it? And I think that that's where Motea comes in and, and there are beautiful avenues popping up now which are about empowerment. Um, I've got a big question for you, G, that I'm going to just send you good luck with answering this because this is a huge question. But in the fields that we work in, I think that it does get discussed a bit. Why, why are we still ashamed about talking about sex or why are we shaming others for talking about sex? I think that's a fantastic question. And I think that feels so big in my body. Like when I, I feel that question in my body, it feels like it could take up the whole room. And the reason that I feel like that is because there's so many different answers to that question yeah. and so one thing that comes to mind is how our family related to sex might be just one branch of this multi-dimensional question but if you grow up in a family that doesn't feel comfortable talking about sex you're most likely not going to feel comfortable talking about sex mm. if you come from a family who shamed you about your body for the first period of your life, you might feel shamed until you start to see examples of other people who don't. And again, I think that's why visibility is so important because even like when you said before with the labiaplasty, like I remember when I, I reckon I must have been 13 and I, on more occasions than I would like to think, literally wanted to get scissors and like cut my lips off because I'd only ever seen porn and I was only ever educated through porn and I thought there was something fundamentally wrong with me mm. and so again this comes back to visibility right like what's it called the labia library instagram it mm. it's fucking fantastic because I reckon if young people who have vulvas saw different different images of what normal vulvas look like labiaplasty would wouldn't barely be a thing the industry had been because so much of and I was again reflecting on this today like so much of this comes down to the idea that we feel like we're not normal like we feel like there's something wrong with us because we either haven't seen a version of ourselves before we haven't heard people talking about the things that we've experienced like and the more that we can talk about it, it's like this pressure comes off our shoulders and we go, okay, this is a normal human experience. Yeah. I felt like that's such a beautiful point. I, me and my girlfriends have just had some of the loveliest conversations when we're open to talking about, like, I remember 
someone who I know once said like, oh no, oh God, fucking kill me if I had a vagina that looked like that. And that I'm like, oh, you poor babe, because you've internalized this and you've decided I'm a hop on this train and be on the defense and contribute to shame. And that will make me appear stronger and take me out of the, the shame bucket, which is where we came from in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really sad. And I remember having this conversation with my friends about this and I was like what the fuck is a bad vagina like right. what a load of shit you don't look at somebody's elbow and be like that's a bad elbow exactly I remember I saw a um it was like a table so like broken up into columns and rows and there were eight different squares and it was all different vaginas and that just changed everything for me I was mm-hmm. like oh my god porn isn't it and then something with women does that too. You're like, oh, <laughs> look at all the women out there. Um, but I agree. I think the whole industry would burn if women, I mean, so many industries industries would burn oh. if we realise that we are luminous as we are, how, mm. many, how many places would go broke? Mm. Literally entire industries exist on making individuals feel self-conscious or shameful Mm. and that we don't have the power within ourselves it's all external and if we can just get that external thing we're good Mm. Mm -hmm. and even like something that comes to mind that I, I just felt the need to share is like the the experience of somebody who's intersex Mm. so statistically it's really hard because so the the term intersex describes a broad spectrum of individuals who either due to genital, how genitals look, chromosomes, body hair, um, hormones, don't fit within the strict binaries of man and woman. And so there is statistically about the same amount of people who are redhead as there are who are intersex. And so think about how many people who maybe don't even have genitals that fit these these such strict binaries and the experience that they must feel. Mm. Like there are so many people out there who experience that. And I, I don't think I have up until maybe two years ago, ever really even known what intersex was. Mm. And there's most likely one or two people that we have met that fit within that that term, that category. So just even like if we put the spotlight on this group of people, imagine their experience without already some people who have like a pretty clearly defined vulva and we're like, oh, I don't want these lips. Like imagine how somebody feels if they're like, I don't, I don't even know what I want to call my genitals. Like just things like that make me think, fuck, we need to like, we need to listen to other people and let them just like be themselves, you know, like, yeah this is such important in an important conversation Georgia oh my gosh 
there are so many conversations that I have where I can feel us going, you know, we need to wake up. Mm-hmm. I have can hands down say I've never had a conversation about sex where I have realised how much we need to wake up mm-hmm. in terms of accepting who we are and accepting other people because it, it's really dangerous. It actually makes me feel a bit sad that I've never thought about that before because you're exactly right it is a very common big thing that we're, we're just not talking about mm. you know and I'm this is a sex sex podcast on <laughs> my podcast show that I really really wanted to have and so I'd say I'm in a group of people who is open to talking about this stuff and I I'm not even talking about it as much as I want to or as, or as as much as allowed, you know, in, within a friendship group or within a, um, oh, don't even like, let's not even talk about it, within a workspace because that's just, like you said, a whole nother issue. But it is a corner that we aren't approaching. And I, I agree. I think that family is a big part. I often, I often see that religion is a big part of it too, that, um, shaming pleasure within religion is mm. is a huge issue. I think shaming within friendship groups, even when we're not meaning to. I know someone who said, I've heard that her clit's so big she has a, th- a, a dick. Like mm. I've literally heard that and like that's so heartbreaking. Mm. That is so heartbreaking for me that after all of this, you know, at the time, like we, I grew up hearing that sort of stuff all the time, all the time. And now I look back, I'm like, fuck, number one, kids are cruel. But number two, why did we not think that was a big deal? Because mm. then we, you know, maybe we're like, oh, thank God, we don't have like the, the clip that looks like a dick. But also, you know, what is wrong with my body? And if mm. they're saying that about them, what are they going to say about us? And yeah. I think that, like you said, it's a really big question to answer that why do we feel shame about sex? And then I think an added layer is why do we feel shame about things that can bring us pleasure? I've been thinking about this a lot, you know, food, orgasms, masturbation, sexual orientation, clothes music why do we shame things that bring each other pleasure it's is that a product of a society that wants us to work and work and work for the man so how dare you experience pleasure Mm. it is it's a big question are we um, so I've got a question that I think I said at the start of my before we started this episode that I was telling my um, one of my employees about you and <laughs> we're obsessed, obviously. Um, and so this, so my art therapist, Christine, hey, Christine, um, she is from Lebanon and she was like, babe, I really want you to ask um, a little bit about women. And I think we can speak from a personal experience, right? Are we as women still taught about sex differently? And mm-hmm. do we still talk about sex well not I don't want to generalize do some of us still talk about sex differently or have different expectations placed on us 
when it comes to sex as opposed to the way that men are taught about it. She said, you know, when we were younger, you, if you have sex, you could get an, you, you're probably going to get an STI or you're probably going to get pregnant. For men, it's like you need it. And then this is a whole different shame point for gender. Men get out there and get it done and do it well and, you know, go, go, go. Yeah, do you think that we're still even, you know, Australia who likes to consider themselves pretty forward thinking, do you think there's a different perspective? Different set of rules. Mm. Mm. I would say on a very basic level, most likely. Mm. Um, because if we think back to, if we think back to when some of these conversations first became rel not even mainstream but were being had in open spaces we could probably think back maybe to like the 50s and 60s maybe not even the 50s maybe the 60s mm. and so that was 70 years ago and so what's happened in that time has obviously been these peaks and troughs and whatnot and I'm actually it's it's actually super interesting um to learn about the cultural concept of this question I'm reading um uh, the book vagina by I can't remember her name for the life of me um but I'm on the chapter where she's talking about like the role that like the blues played and like um the like in say like America, I think it was probably in the 60s and um, their songs when you listen to the lyrics is about like mutual consent and like men and women's pleasure being prioritised equally and like this like wow. totally sensual, like if you like I, if you listen to those songs, like you can feel it like and when women sung about those songs and it was typically like in communities of people of colour, like that they have always been the people driving these conversations and breaking the ground for rest of us. And we kind of like toddle through and we're like, ah, oh, hello. But it's like, no, people of colour have been driving, driving these movements. And so even like hearing about how in the 60s, like these songs, you know, it was mutual. Like women were talking about pleasure, men were talking about pleasure. And then all of a sudden it's like, into the 70s came rock music which was kind of like appropriated by like white people and then they turned it into this like hypersexualized, like very masculine not all but like a lot of kind of these rock stars right and it just it come it feels like it comes in these ebbs and peaks and troughs mm. of being entirely empowering for women and men equally and then it's just I think when I think of that I, I just think like there's no such thing as an end point mm, like there's yeah. there's never a goal for us to get to where we are fully empowered in the same ways but it's just this continual progression and experience of what's happening now so if we look at now right we look at what's her name who had the wet ass pussy song I was just thinking of that Cardi yeah. B how did yeah. yeah so this song is out and it's like a woman talking about her pleasure and talking about her pussy not a male talking about a pussy 
because that's been done a trillion times and no one batted an eyelid, a woman talking about her body and talking about her pleasure and literally the world shut its pants. Mm. But I shit you not, watch the next few years and that will become the norm. Mm. And so through music again, I feel like we're going to come into this peak of women feeling empowered to talk about their own bodies and to center their pleasure and maybe somewhere else we're going to go through a trough maybe through education in school systems sex won't be the most popular thing again mm-hmm. and maybe it'll peak again in a few years time and it'll become normal mm-hmm. so I think that it's it's just this constant cycle never-ending process of of different experiences in different fields and I don't think we're ever going to get to a point where a woman and a man or someone with a vulva and someone with a penis is going to experience the same education around sex. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think it'll ever happen. I think they're going to be, there'll be some more wholesome, pleasurable experiences and there'll be some conversations that are, a little bit more equal in terms of whose pleasure is prioritized but yeah I think that's a beautiful answer I think that's a very well-rounded answer and you have not generalized anything there and it's a very very good point that there are going to be sections of the world where this is done really well and where conversations are had really well and then there's going to be some fuck-ups probably forever like there always has been mm. and there's no there's there's nothing wrong with that you know Mm. we can't we can't judge these experiences because I think at the end of the day like everybody's doing their best with what they have resources they have totally Yeah. yeah and so like the perfect example when you were younger and you had that friend say that comment and you didn't really know any different because you 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 didn't have that knowledge yet And that's not a bad thing. Like Mm. you can't be mad. Mm. You can just look at it and be like, I didn't know better. And when you know better, you do better. Mm. And so every time we are challenged or we learn a new perspective or we take on new information, we can't like center ourselves in that and be like, oh, poor me, like blah, blah, blah. Like, I think a prime example is when you misgender somebody. Mm. You you see somebody and you automatically assume that they identify as she and you're like, ma'am, and they say no. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Oh, my God, I feel so bad. And you're centering that on yourself. And it's like, actually, no, I'm just going to acknowledge now I know better. I'm sorry. Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. What is, I think I just listened to this in Brene's podcast. I'm. I'm not here to be the best. I'm here to get better. So it's, oh, sorry. I'm not here to be right. I'm here to get better. So that's taking, um, it was talking about the difference between feeling shame about racism and being shamed about racism. Um, and she, her general stance is that I'm not here to be right. I'm here to get better. So I think that that takes away, like you just said, it takes it away from centering it around us. Oh my God, I had this blind spot. And what do I do that? Yeah, I hear you. Um, I'm not going to make you educate me, but I've got some thinking to do. I'm going to circle back and I'm, I'm committed to getting better. 
And I think that that's a really lovely way of looking at all of this stuff too. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, there's a reason we don't know about a lot of these things. <laughs> They've been tucked away really nicely from society and that's why it's so fucking cool that we're here having this conversation, you know, and lots of people are going to be tuning into this and checking their own blind spots or checking their own privilege or checking their own um their own stuff and their own traumas and their own work that they're doing. Mm. Can you have, can you tell us a little bit about, so this is probably my own personal, like I'm doing a sneaky here and really want to know the answer to this question. When I was with my partner last year, we did a course um, and part of it, it was a relationships course and part of it was, um, so, of course, sexuality came into it and sex. And when we started this, there was a big part of it was how can we prepare ourselves to be in that, you know, that sexual archetype or that wild woman self, you know, because we both identified as women, that place where we did want to engage in sexual activity as opposed to, you know, we see a lot of relationships falling short, right? Because we, a lot of us are working really fucking hard. And then how do we switch from work mode to sex mode, to sleep mode, to joy mode, all of those sort of things. So I'm just wondering if you have learned any sneaky tips along the way for kind of getting into that, that sensual part of yourself. Mm. Mm. Oh, I, I relate hard. <laughs> <laughs> Turning it on and turning it off. Um, and so the person that comes to mind that I think speaks on this so beautifully and with so much um, so much wisdom is um, Vanessa. She's a sexologist based here in Melbourne. She is also a yoga teacher at the studio that I work at, Eve's Studio. Um, her Instagram is Mia Muse. So um, I want to acknowledge that my answer comes from something that she taught me which is our libido is our zest for life and so if we think of the bedroom if we think of sex in the bedroom we're kind of looking at it's almost like we've taken a little snip out of our relationship and put it under a microscope and when I mean that is oftentimes our sexual relationship in the bedroom is a reflection of our greater relationship. And that could be solo sex, partnered sex. That mm -hmm. could be a relationship with a partner or two or three relationship with ourselves. Mm -hmm. So the question that I have with this is how is my relationship to expecting myself to go from work mode to sex mode a greater reflection of my relationship with myself. Mm, that's powerful. So am I mad with myself because I can't turn it on and turn it off? Am I judging myself? Where else am I judging myself? Why do I feel like I should have to be able to turn it on and turn it off and be like this like deliciously wet fucking ready to go woman in five minutes yeah. who does that who does that benefit and so 
I know that this is personally something that I am have been consistently working on and I still haven't I still haven't fully understood my experience of this and libido but I know that when I'm not aware of my body day to day how the fuck can I be aware of my body when I get into bed yes yes if it takes a typical person with a vulva 40 minutes to be fully engorged and aroused I need to start thinking about foreplay as my entire day Mm. how can I expect to feel a pleasurable touch on my arm if I have been disconnected from the neck down the entire day and I know for me like and I think you might relate as well, and so many other people I think could too, is that often we have to live in our head. Mm. We work in jobs that are very task-focused, productivity-focused, cognitively-focused, and we wonder why we can't get back into our body when we've spent eight hours practising being in our head. Mm. And so... I know my experience of that is it actually almost feels painful to be touched immediately when I get into bed with my partner because mm. it's like, you know, when you've got pins and needles in yeah. your foot because it's numb and you like try and step on it and you're like, ah, <laughs> and it just feels so uncomfortable. Yeah. It's that feeling because it's that feeling of numbness suddenly having a sensory input and my nervous system hasn't had time to catch up. Mm disconnection right yeah yeah but disconnection isn't permanent no our nervous system is so beautiful and yeah and Mm. so we can change that instantly Mm. we can change that instantly by I can suddenly notice I'm a little bit achy in my back I can notice that I haven't taken a proper breath this whole time (laughs) (laughs) and like suddenly like I'm back in my body Mm. and I'm immediately more receptive to maybe a touch on my hand Mm. I might be more receptive to being held Mm. And we can play with that all day in a safe way because I know that it's not always safe for us to experience being a sexual being. So often like... Right? Like for for some of us, our body isn't a safe place to be. Absolutely. Both internally and externally. So both the internal experience we feel of what it feels like to be in our body, but the external stimulus we receive from other people noticing our body. Mm -hmm. And so you might be in a job that you can't walk around like fucking like moving your hips and move in a sensual way and you can't wear clothing that makes you feel sexy, but... Mm -hmm. 
what are safe ways to do that? And that can simply start from like your breath. Yeah. And, and I feel like that feels so nice because it doesn't cost a fucking thing. <laughs> it's always accessible. It's always there when you're ready. And it's just like one step at a time, like one breath mm. and you're there. It's a really, I'm just imagining this like kind of like Hansel and Gretel bread that's been dropped across the day. That's one of the first pieces of bread to towards foreplay and towards mm. feeling receptive mm. for, you know, towards feeling receptive for pleasure and to show up for your libido and not expect it to be something that you can draw on immediately. And then when it's not there, we fall into judgment of ourselves. It's such a good point, Georgia. And it's like, you know, that saying, it's like, sometimes you don't feel like going to the gym, but you take yourself to the gym and you start working out and you feel good and you keep going. I feel like sometimes it's the same with libido. Like, you mightn't feel ready for penetration, but how can you slowly, and this is something I find so challenging, so I know it's not easy, but how can you start to lead into, and it doesn't even have to lead to sex. It's literally just like, how can I, how can I touch the back of my hand in a way that feels nice? And maybe that leads That's to something. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm learning. I'm open to this. I love that. That's such a simple thing mm. to work on, like the tactile sensation of mm. your body. Mm. And just even like I know a practice that I do regularly when I feel like I'm outside of my body is literally to firmly like press into my skin. Like at the moment I'm squeezing my biceps. They're very big and muscly. <laughs> Long jokes. Um, and then like squeezing my forearms and literally repeating like, this is mine. This mm. is mine. This is mine. And you might say like, I am safe. I'm home. Like anything just to be like, bring ownership back into the physical space of your body. That is so beautiful, Georgia. You, that's such a combination of OT expertise, <laughs> personal expertise, and then anxiety release, everything that, that mm. pressure. Um, I was going to ask you about this, but I actually think it's really worth people heading to your Instagram to see this. You have done an example of, this, so this is sensuality, right? Of, uh, um, is it a breast massage with coconut oil? Mm, whatever, whatever uh, you got. What, whatever you want to use. I think that that is an extension of this and probably something you guys are going to want to look at because after I saw that video, um, I didn't tell you guys. <laughs> I fucking manifested my conversation with Georgia. I have been... So because I'm single now, I'm really wanting to delve into more of this stuff. And by the time I, as we do, when we're on our own, or maybe as I do, I like to, I have the time to really delve into some things and try and uphold that when I'm in my next relationship. But so I saw this beautiful video and I 
did that and it was so lovely god it was so lovely and it wasn't about a bigger thing it wasn't about um you know leading up to self-pleasure or anything it was just this lovely thing I did out of the shower and I had a beautiful sleep that night and I think that's because I tuned into my nervous system and I reminded my nervous system that I'm so safe and that I'm here for myself and that's what it represented for me I watched that and I was like that was really fucking cool who is this woman? Like I knew, obviously I knew who you were, but I was really just like, who is this woman? And wrote down, you guys, I wrote down in my notes at 11.22 that I want to interview Georgia. And at like 3.40, I think it was, she was like, hey, if you want to have a chat on the podcast, like I'm so here for it. And I was just like, I motherfucking manifested this or something. Something sent me you. Um, yeah, just to underpin this story that I really, I loved that practice. I thought it was beautiful as a way of of leading up to not necessarily sex, but leading up to something lovely for yourself. And really, isn't that what all of this is about is mm-hmm. how can we feel lovely from a place of self-worth and mm-hmm. from a- Or even like to rephrase that, how can I feel? How can I feel? Yes. Yeah. I think something that is so forgotten and is so important with finding your expression of sexuality is just learning to feel feel it all. Like you just you addressed a blind spot for me then. That is a blind spot for me that it is important to feel it all within reason (laughs) like obviously being trauma sensitive here but I think when I learned it was okay to experience multiple emotions through sex it became something entirely different I have I I've never considered that Mm. I've never my whole work as an OT is um, it is safe to feel all emotions as a young sensitive human being that Mm. is my whole work with my kids is how can I let these kids feel safe to feel what they need to feel Mm. I have never once linked it to the to emotional safety in during sex Mm. or or leading up to sex or even Mm. surrounding the topic why I just I'm Mm. a bit mind blown with that. That's really, that's Mm. really an important thing for me to take from this conversation. (laughs) Cause like, I reckon, and it's obviously like too much information, but we're going down this rabbit hole. Um, Like the last few times I've had penetrative sex with my partner, Mm. I've cried Mm. and not because I'm sad, not because I've, not because that experience upsets me, but because I have had the safety and freedom to experience an emotion that was sitting in my body. Mm. And like, if I had heard that when I was 16, 
when I was not 16, but maybe like 21 when I was having like a good time shaka with like all the sexual partners in the world. And someone's like, one day you're going to cry with your boyfriend and it's going to be a pleasurable experience. I would have been like, suck my dick. No, I don't believe that. But I think that's, that's such a, that's such a, a key component, like just, just being able to experience feelings because mm. we can't get pinned up on just pleasure because that's like spiritual bypassing and forgetting that we're whole unique people with whole experiences and we can't decide what are valuable emotions mm. because we put as a society we put so much value on happiness and joy and pleasure and excitement but we forget that anger and frustration and sadness and hate are there as well Mm. and they are equally as valid feelings as the joyous ones they have equal lessons they deserve equal space in our body they deserve equal expression and sex is just another way to in the right context with the right person with the right support to be able to move through that I didn't know we were going to go down this avenue (laughs) you've just blown something wide open for me Georgia I've got some work to do after this episode I wonder if anyone else is experiencing this but I have never even thought of sex as an access point of you know I for me it's of quite safe to go there I don't know if I let myself go there feeling emotions while mm. having sex ever and mm. I would like to think that I have quite a healthy relationship to sex but I've never thought of it as an access point to emotions that we're storing in our body but I can also see I don't know why I've never thought of this when you're dancing and you're feeling that word embodied and you're right there and you're in your body and no longer is your mind take running the show, that's when, so I had a dance last week and I cried and it was beautiful. Mm. And we have these moments when we're right there having sex and we're in our bodies and it is only just occurring to me now that, of course, emotions are going to come up. But I actually, I can, I tell you what, I've always just stopped if that's happening. I've just been like, oh, you know, I mustn't be enjoying myself. It's never occurred to me. Mm. Um, I think that you might need to send me an invoice in the mail for for this like amazing door that you've blown open for me and for others, I'm sure. Thank you. I want to thank, I want to thank you for this whole episode, but I really want to thank you for that moment. Georgia, it's that's a really important thing that I'm going to take from this conversation. My pleasure. <laughs> uh, I I've told you this. We've we've addressed <laughs> four of our questions, but I think that this conversation has been exactly what it needed to be. I I really just want to be a part of Motea and I want everyone else to be a part of Motea. So I would love if you could let us know how to follow your, follow your journey and 
I'm also thinking like how cool would it be? Oh, you might already have it. Do you have like a community where women and men can post about this stuff? Um, not yet because I haven't, haven't found a space that I feel like would be the right thing yet. Yeah. Um, one thing that I am really going to focus on the, the one thing on my to-do list for next year um, is to do more like blog posts and interviews with other people. So that's probably at the moment the avenue of where other people can share their experiences. But I do also totally value and love when people email me or send me a message or anything like that. Like I have personal boundaries and professional boundaries within time and energy but I do appreciate um just hearing people's experiences I think there's so much value in just um yeah sharing an experience Mm. but if people would like to in any way get in contact um I'm mainly on the gram so it's um at Matea so m-o-t-e-a full stop pleasure um and from there you can find every other way to get in contact with me we have ended up having a quite a profound conversation that I from my own biases didn't know that we would have because I think the way that I have lived my life is to dive into the first level of talking about sex I didn't know we'd go to level four today (laughs) well welcome to conversations (laughs) I don't enjoy small talk so great no I love it and I'm I haven't experienced a conversation about sex that has been this respectful so thank you Georgia thank you if you yeah I'll pop um Georgia's username in the session notes because and I've never done that before but I really want you guys if you want to to have the access to to her and her um her, would you call Motea a movement oh my god that would be so like <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to like project anything, but I feel I like we don't even fucking know what to call it myself. So let's, <laughs> let's we need to um we need to what is it go back to the drawing board and figure out the fuck what it is. But maybe <laughs> that's the great part about it. It's got no boundaries. It's got yeah. no structure, so it can be whatever whatever it needs to be. Yeah, I love that. All right, beautiful humans and beautiful Georgia, thank you. This is my first podcast that I've recorded at night. So I'm both going <laughs> to in the pitch black. <laughs> I was like, I can't pull myself away from my laptop to turn my light on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just seeing like this beautiful silhouette as the conversation's getting deeper and deeper. That's the environment that we've been in, guys. All right. I'll um I'll see you guys in a fortnight's time and thank you so much for being here. We'll talk to you soon.